Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and more Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. Unfortunately, this week we will not be joined by Lore Mistress Mary. Uh, They are busy at home uh getting everything situated and 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 done up right uh so that we can start doing other cool stuff like perhaps uh streaming on twitch uh but they're taking the week off we're still covering the nine hells however we're not going to take a break can't stop won't stop we're lore fanatics so we're going to continue this uh we're going to be talking about maladomini this week, the seventh layer of Bator, the seventh layer of hell. Uh, this place is pretty gnarly. Um, it's not as gross as um, as previous layers. Malbolge, I'm definitely looking in your direction. Uh, but there, there is a lot of cool lore attached to it, especially when it comes to the ruler of the uh, of the layer, the arch the arch devil who uh, who runs the show. So let's just go ahead and just jump right into it. The watchword in Maladomini is decay in both its physical and moral connotations. If ever Maladomini was beautiful, that time was long, long ago. Now it is a scarred landscape of ruined cities, clogged canals, and lifeless tree stumps. 
The endless strip lines that dot Melodomini look like gaping wounds. All right, so the seventh layer, as we said before, of the nine layers of Ator, it is ruled by Balzabul, uh, also known as the Lord of Lies, uh, also known as the Lord of the Flies, uh, also known as the Fallen One, or more specifically, Triel the Fallen. And we will get to that when we discuss Balzabul after the uh, middle of the show. So, a great marble boulevard lined with grotesque statues known as the Road of Perdition leads from Malbolge, which is the sixth layer of Ator, to Maladomini. An endless field of ruined and crumbling cities dot the decaying, pitted expanses of the lair. Under the blood-black sky, petitioners query, carve, and build new cities for the Lord of the Seventh. Mine pits, slag heaps, and brackish canals cover the land like sores. Newer cities are built upon the backs of older ruins, and as each city is finished, the Lord's dissatisfaction forces his subjects to begin anew. So very uh, Sisyphean in that respect. You know, the, all these lower minion devils are forced to build and create and carve and dig and do all that stuff to make a, make a city. But for whatever reason, Balzabul says, I don't like it. And they have to tear all that down and start over again. So a lot like you know, pushing the boulder up the rock only to have it rolled down each and every day. Uh, sludged, sludge-choked rivers wend their way past the endless strip mines and sentient chunks of polluted matter crawl up onto the riverbanks only to gasp and die upon inhaling the toxic air. That's wild. So these sentient things make their way somehow make their way out of these sludge choked rivers uh, and then only only to end up breathing the air in Maladomini uh, and dying because it's it's pretty much poison. <laughs> uh, dying forests collapse, succumb to rot or burst spontaneously into damp smoldering flame. Uh, and it is said that the lair constantly shudders and moans like a wounded beast clinging hopelessly to life, all the while weeping a foul black ichor. Uh, that's pretty evocative and like pretty much the flavor text that I love. Uh, it's no surprise that um, a lot of this lore comes from you know advanced D and D when the when the literary content was, in my opinion, at an all-time high for D&D. The lair also contains dozens of vast tunnels that meet and diverge in a maze stretching for hundreds of miles. Uh, Maladomini being one of the largest of the nine hells, its branching passages link all the lower hells together. In various spots, its tunnels reach Malbolge, uh, Cania and even Nessus. So layers one through six are all, you know, all connected, or at least, you know, are linked to Maladomini through these tunnels. Uh, the and the tunnels they average about three to five miles wide, with ceilings of a thousand feet or more overhead, and each is a long, curving cavern featuring ancient strongholds, 
uh, the aforementioned crumbling cities and ruined palaces that climb the tunnel steep side. So it's kind of like, you know, any sort of like post-apocalyptic idea where, you know, the, the old city is destroyed and a new city is built on top of it. But the remnants of the old city are still are still there. You know, they're the, the, the clues are still there. The the what's left behind is still there. Guttering green flames seep along the riverbanks and drifting balls of luminous green fire provide a dim, sickly illumination for the lair. But but some of these tunnels they lack this natural lighting, and so they brood eternally in foul, glowing darkness. In addition to being such a lovely locale, it is also the center for all the bureaucracy of the Nine Hells. Um, so all the red tape, all the the lawyery part of hell is where this it's it's centered here, which makes it I feel probably the worst layer, to be honest. Um and it once was a beautiful and fully urbanized realm. But as a result of Valzabul's uh, treachery, and we'll get to more on that again after the middle of the show, the lair is now the devastated wasteland that we know and love today. So like I said before, once a city is complete or near complete, Valzabul judges it unworthy. And then uh, construction begins anew. Previous cities are plundered for raw materials, which pretty much only hastens, you know, their ruination. Um, these old cities have become the homes of runaways and deserters and creatures from other planes. And occasionally, Balzable will send units of his army through these old cities, through these ruined cities to, you know, to roust out these malcontents, um, which it just causes them to flee to a different ruined city. And, and thanks to Balzable, like they have almost countless to choose from. However, the bravest of these malcontents flee to the tunnels beneath the cities rather than escaping to a new city. Some say that the original denizens of Baltazu still live under the cities, under the streets of the old cities. We're not sure about that. We're not sure if it's the old original devils living there. All that's known for sure is that something is living down there. And it isn't friendly, which, that being said, if Mary were here, she'd probably say, like, oh, whatever it is, I want to boop it. I just want to boop that little thing, whatever it is. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's cuddly. Uh, like, Mary, Mary's going to boop something that, that, ought, that shan't be booped. It's going to be her end. I, I stand on that. So, um, so Maladomini. Uh, let's talk about some of its uh, more notable locations. Uh, we've got the Carnival Eternal, also known as the Carnival Macabre, under an unblockable sluice pipe that eternally showers filth down into a mucky veil. Devils caper and cavort in a nonstop bacchanal, known as the Carnival Eternal or the or the Carnival Macabre. Uh, Balzable rewards his successful minions by allowing them to spend time engaging in unspeakable diabolical pleasures here. Uh, a devil that brings the Lord of Lies nine souls gets to stay for one day. If the devil brings 99 souls, a hall of 99 souls earns them a century of time 
within the carnival. And finally, 999 souls are worth two millennia of ghastly entertainment. Uh, among the bizarre attractions in the carnival uh, is a hall of distorted mirrors, which um, if you wipe the layer of sludge that's you know stuck to the, the, the front of one, the viewer can gaze upon an intoxicating vision of themselves as the archdevil ruling a layer of Vator, you know, like Dis or Cania, but never, never Maladomini. Never see yourself ruling Maladomini. No, no, no. Uh, also, the carnival is home to a thriving black market in which devils barter for things forbidden even in the nine hells. Things like stolen souls, uh, treasures hidden from the lords of the nine hells themselves, uh, writs of safe passage, and books of banned rituals. We've also got Grenpoli, the city of diplomacy. Uh, the city of Grenpoli, aka the city of Guile, is a haven for pure politics. Uh, access is granted only through one of the four gates on the city's exterior, and entrance to the city only comes after a thorough search during which all weapons are taken for the duration of a visitor's stay. Uh, it's a dome city uh, where, like I said, weapons of all uh, and all types of aggression are forbidden. Uh, it contains the political school of the Nine Hells, which offers courses on deceit, uh, courses on treachery to the, you know, to very you know, enterprising devils. Uh, much like the city on of Dis on the second layer or Tantlin on the fifth, uh, Grimpley is a place where commerce and intrigue come together. It lies on a broad and easily navigable portion of the Styx, the River Styx, and trade bound from the Middle Hells to the Lower Hells often passes through its dilapidated storehouses. Uh, it at first appears to be the most civilized city in Hell. You know, the fact that you know, you can't carry weapons in it. You know, you can't cast offensive spells. There's no violence, physical violence, I should say. Uh, so, you know, Grimpley's, uh, but it, and it functions as a training ground for devils in the fine art of the deal. Uh, every edict, uh, policy statement, scientific treatise, uh, and other document in the Nine Hells is recorded, copied, and filed away in Maladomini's archives. The storehouses are buried deep underground so that they would remain intact if the layer is ever again hit by the sort of devastation that occurred after um, Balzabul's treachery and when he was, you know, subsequently humbled. Each document in the archives is important in its own way, and all these sites are heavily guarded by devils, obviously by devil guards and by traps. Even if would-be thieves could get around the defenses, they would then have to figure out how to navigate the complex classification system that marks the precise location of each bit of paperwork stored within. Uh, the residents, they seem friendly and open, and many races intermingle and carry on trade. However, this air of civility is just a facade, as beneath the surface is a brutal world of politics and treachery and betrayal, all presided over by the cunning Arenes named Misdem Word Twister. It's a great name. Uh, sitting at the center of a vast web of intrigue, those who violate her laws are killed without question or appeal. But while Misdem is the public face of authority in the city, 
the true power of Grenpoli is the pit fiend Lefant, who is the chief administrator of the infernal bureaucracy. In the political school that I mentioned earlier, enterprising devils can learn about treachery and deception. Enries are found uh, in the school in large numbers since they need their wiles to seduce mortals on the prime material plane. And in general, the politics of the Nine Hells, they have flowers in Grempoli because this city is the place where the infernal bureaucracy established by Asmodeus carries out its business and often where the emissaries of the Lords of the Nine and, and other powers uh, meet up. So it's all kind of it's all kind of centralized here. And the last location that we will talk about before the middle of the show is Ophalion. Uh, so how do devils whose memories of human existence uh, were erased before their transformation to Lemire form, how do they remember their experiences well enough to entice souls and subvert societies? Well, they travel to Ophalion, which is a training facility designed to instruct devils on matters of political manipulation and bargaining by creating detailed simulations of locations in the prime material plane. It's essentially, uh, if you're a Star Trek fan, it's like the holodeck. If you're a fan of the X-Men comic books, it's like the danger room. It's pretty it's pretty awesome uh, in, in a way. Uh, so it's, a, it's a pile of rubble. It's on a blasted hillside, but it's used to simulate population centers so that adventurers whose homelands are undergoing diabolical subversion, uh, you might they might find like entire chunks of it created here. Uh, the city's resident devils have configured its shattered stones to create ruined parodies of palaces, of senatorial chambers, marketplaces, any area where influence is bartered. They run detailed simulations of uh, targeted political activities. So devilish students might take part in a clerical senate or um, a fake conference of elf princesses or even the election of a simulated king. Each exercise comes with its own set of rules and victory conditions, and the stakes of uh, such games, even though they're simulations, the stakes are as viciously real for their participants. You know, winners are sent to those target planes to turn their corrupt education into reality, while losers are held back or even demoted. What's cool about this is that moral visitors are occasionally pressed into service as ringers or advisors or disruptive wild cards, think Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny. Uh, but by taking part in such an exercise, these adventurers can then learn what plans Balzable's minions have intended or intend to unleash against you know, their, their home, their home planet, their home country, what their home plane, whatever it may be. So uh, that's what we have so far. We're going to jump to the middle of the show really quick, do all the midly things, and then we're going to come back and talk about... Uh, Talk about Balzable, obviously, the, the head honcho in charge, his, the, the little crew he's got running around, and also, like, where he kicks it. Like, where does he stay? Where does he, what, what, what awful place, where, what awful place does he live in? Hello, and welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show, of course, is where we thank our patrons, discuss any D&D news, as well as meander on over to usually the DMs Guild and figure out what kind of homebrew shenanigans we can get into. Uh, so first and foremost, 
Let's thank the patrons. Thank you so much to the patrons who support the show over on patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. A uh, special shout out to Alex D, our newest patron, who absurdly joined the Discord, immediately started asking, you know, for suggestions and advice on a campaign that they're running. The audacity to ask a bunch of D&D nerds to talk about D&D. How dare you, Alex? How dare you? No, just kidding. Uh, we uh, love talking about D&D over on the official Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast Discord. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you have any questions or if you just want to like talk about uh, your your like session that you just had or your character that you're about to run or characters that you've never even run characters that you just made up because that's what D&D nerds do is just make up characters that will never run uh, go right on ahead we will never stop you <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you are interested in joining the, uh, uh, being a member of the fair folk of the Patreon, like I said, you can go over to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. We have tiers um, from 5 to $75 with stickers, uh, t-shirts, mugs, uh, bonus episodes, bonus content, uh, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, definitely you can get in where you fit in. And if uh, you want to support the show in other ways, you can definitely do so by following us on all the social medias. Pretty much everywhere we are DND Lorecast, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitch. We'll we will be in uh, tw uh, Twitch streaming soon, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, and all the subsequent Twitter clones that have popped up in the past several months. Uh, we're gonna be there. You'll find us uh, DND Lorecast at gmail .com. and of course the aforementioned DND Lorecast Discord. Uh, yeah, follow us uh, there. You can. Um, Give us a follow, uh, interact with us there. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us some reviews. And then, of course, just, you know, good old fashioned word of mouth, you know, telling someone that you think might uh, might appreciate the show, either at a game store or, you know, on a message board or, you know, whatever it may be, just spreading the news about the community that we're trying to build and trying to foster here, you know, is, is more than enough. We would we absolutely appreciate every single bit of support that we receive. Now, as far as D&D news goes, obviously a few months ago, we had Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the feature-length film released in theaters, um, did not do as well financially as we would have hoped, you know, considering it was a very good movie. It was a lot of fun. Really, I felt, you know, it was a good um, introduction to D&D for a lot of non-fans and for even, uh, you know, for the more well-versed among us uh, that are still, you know, still a, a lot of fun. Uh, but like I said, the financially, this didn't do as well as we were hoping. Um, an executive at Paramount, the company that, you know, that the production company behind the movie did come out and say that a second movie is not out of the realm of possibility. You know, it's definitely something that they would consider. However, the budget would have to be um, considerably smaller uh, considering, you know, how, um, how much money the first one made, which obviously, like, you know, we don't want... Um, low budget D, D for sure however you know you don't need a ton you know you don't need tens upon you know dozens and dozens of millions of dollars to make a great movie to make a great fantasy movie so if the original team and uh you know both um behind the scenes and the original team uh and in a mountain that doesn't even necessarily have to be a sequel you know like obviously like we're we're discussing planescape 
going into the reintroduction of the of the campaign setting for fifth edition, you know there are entire worlds worth of D and D that can be used. We don't necessarily have to stick with the same you know five or six characters movie in and movie out. The next D and D movie can definitely you know have a new set of characters and be something different, but still with the D and D branding and still be made on a smaller budget. But yeah, the original team, you know, both uh, behind the behind the camera and in front of the camera, you know, are interested in doing so. I think they, I think that's a definite possibility to to achieve something great. So hopefully, we get the movie. Hopefully, uh, it's made within the parameters the that make it as as successful as possible, and hopefully, it's still as good or even better than the first one. Uh, let's see any other news. I don't think so something uh, oh something um something about a video game oh that's right Baldur's Gate 3 is officially out and it's kind of taken uh the internet by storm people are, are streaming it people are talking about it people are so far it seems like people are really digging the heck out of Baldur's Gate 3 looks like the uh, folks over at Larian really knocked it out of the park on this one it's it looks incredible it looks amazing i have not played i have not had the time to sit down and play it I'm, i've been incredibly busy but as soon as i do uh, i know that i'm going to i'm just going to like fall into a rabbit hole and maybe never come back out um but yeah so Baldur's gate 3 is out there's a link to um to purchase it uh, via steam if you're interested in the show notes uh but yeah like if if you're if you're on the fence as to whether or not you want to buy it like i said it it's it, dozens if not hundreds of people on twitch are streaming it right now uh twitter's going crazy about it there are a bunch of you know all the D facebook groups that i'm a part of uh, are posting pictures of their characters that they've created so yeah people are very excited about it and then finally uh hellbound heists the dm's guild corner pick of the week that we've been highlighting throughout the um hotter than the nine hells series uh, nine layers of hell, nine heists, and the odds aren't in your favor. Explore each layer as a separate adventure or tie them all together for one hellish campaign. It features 29 new monsters, 23 new items, one new background, and innumerable terror. So what does Hellbound Heist have in store for Maladomini? Well, it has a level 14 and up adventure called According to Plan. Help free a rogue from a hellbound prison and aid in the recovery of a valuable set of blueprints. So again, you can buy it on DMs Guild right now. There's a link in the show notes. You can get a digital copy, or you can actually get a physical copy. So if you see something on DMs Guild that is being offered uh, as a physical with as a physical copy, it means that it's sold a certain amount of items. That means, and if it's sold that many, it means it's probably good. Um, because people usually don't like spending money on subpar um, content. And so definitely worth your while. Pick it up, Hellbound Heist. Uh, And yeah, that's about it. So let's go ahead and jump back into the show. Ah! Welcome back to the show. The second half of the show, we'll be talking about uh, the Dukes and other denizens of Maladomini, as well as the Archduke, the ruler of Maladomini, and, and a little bit of their history as to how they wormed. That's a that's a that's a merry level pun. 
Um, and you'll know, you'll understand why once we get into, once we get into Bell's history, uh, how they worm themselves into, uh, into the, into the realm. So, uh, Belzebul, uh, has a council and it, it includes uh, his consorts, uh, Baptist and Lilith, as well as, uh, Nebaz, who's also known as a herald of lies, uh, his marshal Barbatos. And then he's got three generals, Abigor, Beleth, and Zippar. Uh, one of the consorts, uh, Lilith, is a power, p- powerful archdevil in her own right. Uh, she counsels the Lord of Flies in his plotting so that he, and then therefore she, uh, too, might be once re- you know once again restored to their former glory. Uh, the lair itself is inhabited by numerous intelligent devils, uh, such as harvester devils and the aforementioned Arenas, uh, as well as uh, Cornugans, the aka the corn dog devils, uh, Lemures, and and others, uh, the constant production of ichor also promotes the spontaneous generation of oozes, uh, such as uh, black puddings, uh, ochre jellies, and of course everyone's favorite, the gelatinous cube. So, Bowsable, Archduke Bowsable. What's what's the deal with Belzebul? Okay, so he he is a former archon, you know, think angel essentially, uh, from Mount Celestia, no also known as Trill. Um, and now he's known as you know, one of his nicknames is Trill the Fallen. He rules over this nightmare landscape, and that is a fitting testimony to uh his own degeneracy. Uh it is it is his crazed desire for a perfection he can never achieve that drives the endless labor of his subjects. Uh, one spousable was an archon of Celestia named, named Trill, but he was cast down into the nine hells, and Asmodeus quickly promoted Trill to devilhood in a dread ritual. You know, their relentless drive per- for perfection serves him well as he climbs the ranks of devilry culminating in Balzabul's ascension to Lord of the Seventh. And Balzabul didn't just attain it, it wasn't just given to him, this lordship. He deposed the earlier lord and expunged all mention of that entity. So there's there's no lore as to who, what what archdevil ruled the ruled Maladomini before Balzabul. He literally erased him from history, uh, leaving behind his former name with his former allegiance. Balzabul is also called the Lord of the Flies uh, because not even a fly can escape his net of intrigues. That's awesome. Uh, Maladomini was once a bustling realm of vibrant cities, uh, you know, roads, gardens, bridges, all the things that you have in a vibrant city. <laughs> it was, you know, like I said, it's the center of hell's bureaucracy where every edict, law, and order was dutifully copied and followed away. And with each passing year, the devils would add more fortresses and archives to Maladomini to house all their records. Then came the single greatest act of treachery in the history of the Nine Hells. Now, when you're when you're pouring over the histories of the Nine Hells and looking over every single act of treachery, I mean, it's it's a very long list. Devil's gonna devil. So to say that this is the single greatest act of treachery, it's got to be something wild. So let's let's figure out what happened. So at the time, the Archdevil Belzebul was so powerful that he actually ruled two layers of hell, not only Maladomini, but also the sixth layer, Malbolge. 
he conspired to topple Asmodeus and replace him, which in and of itself is not a crime. I mean, Asmodeus kind of like figures it's going to happen, right? Uh, but in order to work his plans, he knowingly altered documents that passed into his care with the intent of confounding the apparatus of the bureaucracy. His attempt to overthrow Asmodeus centered on forging and altering records in an attempt to frame the Lord of the Nine Hells as an incompetent leader. Now, here's the thing. So, like, trying to topple Asmodeus is not a crime in and of itself. It's, you know, whatever. That's that's the evil and lawful evil, right? However, forging documents is definitely nowhere near lawful. So that's, that's uh, man, it's, it's kind of like how they got Al Capone for tax evasion. Uh, so... Before his scheme could come to fruition, he was caught and subjected to the most bizarre of punishments. So how exactly did Falzable get caught? So in that time long past, Falzable believed that he could cast Asmodeus as incompetent, as a as an incompetent leader, ruler of the Nine Hells, uh, and a massive force to replace him before Asmodeus' allies could act. But... Falzable's calculations failed to take into account the unpredictability of the blood war, which we will be talking about next week. So excited. Uh, so a sudden offensive from the abyss struck Avernus just as Balzable was about to put his plan into motion. Balzable directed most of his shield legions to stay out of the fight. You know, he's like, hey, we got something else going on. So instead of helping to hold the line against the demons, he could then he could use them to you know help stage his own coup. The absence of those legions, the absence of the you know the Maladonian forces, however, enabled the demonic horde to push deep to the doorstep of Dis. So as you know, once this happens, once they're you know really like knocking on the door of Dis, Balzable is forced to abandon his own plans for the coup, realizing that the nine hells would be of little use to him if it was overrun with demons. And ultimately, he united with the other archdevils to, you know, fight back the the demonic horde, the demonic invasion. But you know, obviously, everyone's figuring, trying to figure out like how did this happen? Like, how did they get this far? And so there was an investigation, and the investigation of the events uncovered his treachery. Um, regardless, Balzable refused to submit to punishment, and so Maladomini was racked with fighting as the other lords of the nine hells took to the field against the conspirator. So essentially, like they're like, hey, like you, you, your treachery, like nearly screwed us. Here's your punishment. He's like, I'm not going to do that. And so then the other, the other lords of the nine were like, all right, we're just going to like, you know, wreck your place. <laughs> the resulting devastation left much of the lair in ruins, and. And obviously, like, you know, Bowser refused to submit to the to the punishment of the Lords of the Nine, can't really refuse to submit to the punishment of Asmodeus. Uh, Asmodeus transforms Basil's uh, formerly angelic body into a melted slug-like form, hence the, the worm uh, pun that I made earlier that I'm not proud of. I'm not proud of it, but just to, you know, agree that it happened, accept it, and move on. Uh, after Balzable was overwhelmed and defeated, Asmodeus stripped him of his rulership of Malbolge, but left him in charge of Maladomini, albeit with like a new set of duties. So Asmodeus knew that Balzable's superior intellect and propensity for lying 
uh, the way he's like, like he's smart, but he's he's a little liar. Uh, would make him the ideal representative of the bureaucracy of the hells in the worlds of the mortals. So to ensure his loyalty, while also taking advantage of his talents, Asmodeus enacted two laws concerning him. And Asmodeus, and you know, we we've talked in depth about Asmodeus, uh, you know, specifically and throughout the Hotter Than the Nine Hell series, you know, um, in, in in general, Asmodeus is one of the most clever creatures in all of you know, all of D and D. Will always figure out a way to make a situation benefit him the most. So, what are these two laws? So, the first, whenever Balzable lies to a devil, he would transform into a slug-like creature, uh, hideous to all who beheld him for one year. Now, you might be thinking, well, he was all—he's already a slug-like creature. So, like, what? How does that? How does that work? Well, it's because the penalty was retroactive, covering several millennia of deceptions and untruths. So he was turned into a slug because he's like, all right, well, every time you lie to a devil, you're going to become, you're going to turn to a slug for a year. And that includes all the lies that you already told. And so only recently has Balzable worked off all those transgressions and has been returned to his former humanoid form. And in all that time, he has not told a lie to another devil and his continued honesty is motivated by his desire to keep his current appearance like his original appearance of you know like kind of a fallen angel and not a weird slug-like worm thing uh so the second rule that asmodeus enacted is he decreed that any deal balzable strikes shall end in disaster for the other party and so for this reason other devils avoid forming alliances with him even though they know he is compelled or not compelled but you know it's in his best interest not to lie to them they're like, well, he's probably telling us the truth because he doesn't want to turn into a slug for a year. But, you know, we also, it's going to end in disaster for us. So we're just not even going to bother. Mortals, on the other hand, know nothing of the situation and so still offer their souls to him. So his, you know, uh, his focus, so his focus is, uh, it focuses most of his attention on gathering souls from the material plane, you know, a task to which his talent and, you know, kind of like, the situation he's in uh, is best suited. His talent for lying and in the current situation is in it's, it's best suited for that. You know, his ability to scheme has been neutralized by these limitations in some way, but he continues to ensure that the devil's bureaucracy runs smoothly. Also, Bowsable and his agents recruit mortals that are desperate for redemption of some sort, uh, perhaps the restoration of lost status or the recovery of resources that were lost because of either treachery or incompetence uh, to these people who have been humbled by unfortunate events. Bowsable offers a supernatural means of regaining one, regaining one's reputation or riches, you know, the failed merchant desperate for another chance at making his fortune or the once treacherous knight eager to restore her honor you know, these are typical examples of the individuals he deals with. But what these folks don't know is that Balzable is a master manipulator. He directs his agents to embed clauses and specifications in contracts that trip up the unwary. Uh, devil's in the details, after all. And because Balzable's targets are typically desperate, 
he almost always bargains from a position of strength. And although Balzabul claims a great number of unsuspecting souls, almost all of them are pathetic, incompetent wretches best suited for the drag legions, uh, whose only task is to die as slowly as possible so that they might delay the advance of a demonic abyssal army. Nowadays, Bowsable only openly plots against uh, Mephistopheles, Lord of the Eighth, but his undying anger yet burns for Asmodeus, as does his undying ambition for the throne of the King of the Nine Hells. So, where does Bowsable kick it? Where does where does he chill? Where, where where does he stay? Well, he stays in Malagard. It's home to Bowsable and the greatest city in the lair of Maladomini. So the city, the jour of Trail of the Fallen, everyone pretty much agrees that it's the greatest city that they've ever constructed, that the 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 devils working nonstop over and over in Maladomini that they've ever constructed. Uh, nor does anyone doubt that it will be shortly abandoned by the crazed Arch, Archduke as Balzable strives for some strange hellish perfection in all things. Uh, but while he is in residence, work continues. In fact, it says one source said that the workers have uh, begun to slow down in the final stages, sabotaging much of their own work as to not have to like you know restart again. Because as soon as they're done, they're like, well, we're going to have to just do this again. So we might as well just kind of like keep doing what we're doing. I guess it's easier to like it's easier to start you know the the final stages is easier than having to like start all over again just continue the final stages rather uh Bowsable hasn't seemed to notice yet but it's only a matter of time before he demands completion of the project so malagard was once a beautiful city of perfectly straight boulevards fountains of delicate yet terrible visage and towers that reach straight as an arrow into the blood black sky however more recent lore depicts the city as the embodiment of Bowsable's physical worm-like, slug-like sloth, and describes Malagard as crumbling into ruin. Now, this is a result, uh, a direct result of his treachery that he uh, that he was punished for. Uh, armies of damned souls and lesser devils labor to raise new buildings or repair streets slumping into sludge. But their efforts seem pointless. The cage simply advances. Uh, miasma of fatalism pervades the city, and visitors often fall into a gray despair and never muster the willpower to leave Malagard. While here, Balzabul rules from the Palace of Filth, a vast structure constantly filled with refuse by lesser devils in obedience to the punishment decreed by Asmodeus. Uh, after Balzable's treachery, the Grand Castle collapsed into a pile of fecal sludge, and now the Lord of the Flies shapes and reshapes its interior himself, hollowing out rooms and corridors by crawling through the massive pile of waste. Amid these heaps of debris are the ruins of several thoroughly crushed ancient buildings, and in lieu of doorways, there are magical barriers that bar entrance to unwanted guests. Bowsable must periodically reinforce his rooms with slime secretions, or at least had to when he was still in slug form, uh, because when he forgets to do so, entire rooms collapse, smothering many of his lesser minions. 
Uh, he often neglects these maintenance duties, you know, obviously, because it kind of bums him out. Like, I mean, it's a reminder of everything that he has lost. So he instead doesn't do that in favor of scheming for future dominance. So entire rooms collapsing, smothering many of his lesser minions, something that happens more often than not. Uh, his treasure vaults have fallen down so often, in fact, that several great relics of power are now lost among the trash and debris. Uh, def- it seems like a like a hoarder situation that Belzebul's got going on. Um, like you know, you could you you don't know what you might find there. Um, some 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 you know ancient relic of power. Uh, but even so, you know, fortune seekers can't really root through these collapsed chambers undisturbed, as the muck that makes up the palace walls and floors, it squelches it, you know, so horribly. <laughs> That whenever it's moved, it inevitably attracts the attention of palace guards. So there you have it, Maladomini, Balzabul, uh, the treachery behind uh, why this fallen angel was a slug for several millennia. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. There's there's so much fantastic lore attached to the Nine Hells, and I've, I've been it's been so so fun. You know, digging into all of it, and it's kind of sad to, that we're we're just about done. We've only got uh, we've only got one left. But thank you so much for listening. I know uh, Mary misses you, and I know you miss Mary. We will be back next week to talk the Blood War. So make sure that you follow us on the social medias, talk with us on our Discord. But until then, fare thee well, dear listener, and may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DD Lorecast, or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows? For interesting people, check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.